spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 134th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. We uh we did have the first snowfall of the year. So Ugh. that that was uh you know a telling sign. It was quite cold and extremely windy today, so that was miserable. How is Arizona? Oh, it's uh it's pretty good. Yeah, we had some family in town from Minnesota actually escaping the first snow. So yeah, while they were at the bar hanging out with us, they were showing us pictures that they were being sent of the uh, the snowfall. So it, w- it was good here, though. You know, I mean, it's cold in the morning, like in the 50s, and then it, it pops up to like 85, 90 during the afternoon. So yeah, it's it wasn't too bad of a snow. It was just it was like big flakes and it did last on the ground for, uh, you know, extended period of time. OK, so yeah, just that. That big, like those big wet snowballs that come down and gather up really quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope it's not like a, like a sign of what's about to come in the future. I hope it's not that. (laughs) An omen. That's it right there. Uh, Yeah. So what did, uh, uh, you had a few things you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Oh yeah. Well, a couple things, but uh, so my actually, I know you're huge into true crime. Um, I'm a little bit into true crime, not as big, but my sister let me borrow her uh, Discovery uh, Discovery Plus or Discovery ID, whatever um, subscription. And they actually have a show on there called Murder Comes to Town. And they were talking about the Cresco, Iowa, um, 2001 Carney Killer. No shit. The, yeah, it's uh, it's in season two, episode ten, I believe. Uh, the Angela Hike murder. Okay, like it's fun. I would actually like to watch that because even when you try to look online for that, it's there's not a lot. No, yeah, there's not a lot. Um, they actually did, um, they did clear up quite a few. Like we lived in that town, so there was a lot of myths rolling around about it they kind of cleared up for me it is kind of funny though because you know of course they went to town and they shot a lot of b-roll of everything but the actors that they got to play all of the the people who were involved in the case all were you know like decently good looking southern accents and then they show what the real people look like and sound like and they sound nothing like them and then they look just like normal people (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. They don't do a very good job on that show. I've watched a few episodes after that. They don't do a very good job of getting the people to actually look like the the ones they're portraying. So, so. did they list a reason why he did it? Uh, basically just to rob to rob her, I guess, and ended up killing her while he was oh. robbing her. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, because yeah, I know... I read something like when he was in jail, he was very, wouldn't really say anything. And like, 
he asked to borrow the shovels from his mom to bury him in Kansas or Missouri or something. And it was just like really weird. Yeah, basically they, um, God, what did they do? He ended up taking her car, going back to the Howard County Fairgrounds to where all the other carnies were. I know, I know we've said carnies before in the past, but on the show they said carnies. So I feel like I can use it. Went back and uh, picked up his wife, who was also staying at those fairgrounds. His wife and he put the bodies into the trunk of the car that she owned. Uh, he stole the car, and then they took the bodies down to Wichita, I believe. And then, yeah, they borrowed the the shovels there and went out and buried them. So, Dude, dude I had no idea his uh, wife was involved. Yes, yeah. I had never heard of that either. Um, that didn't really make it around like the, the town gossip. So, but I do remember that time frame and it was very, uh, people were wondering if there was a serial killer on the loose. <laughs> no one knew what the fuck was going on. And they, they accurately said too, like, this is a town where people don't lock their doors. Like I would like growing up, going to friends' houses. Did you ever remember anyone locking their doors? No, but I, I know you haven't been to the town in a long time. I can tell you people definitely lock their doors now. Oh yeah. I imagine. All right. Uh, the other thing, Phil, you have a uh, exciting Friday, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, well, true crime and s- small town murder, I get to go to Tempe Improv this weekend to, well, actually this Friday, by the time this comes out, I'll be going to Tempe to go see their live show. So I'm pretty fucking stoked about that. I don't know. I think it might be their first live show back since uh covid's pretty much all wrapped up now are you going to small town murder or crime and sports well i'm going to the crime and sports uh this there's a crime and sports then a small town murder but it's uh they're back to back so oh you get to see both of them well no i didn't buy one for the small town murder but just because that show starts at like 10 till midnight and i know i'm going to be basically i have shit to do the next day so i really can't stay that long well, I so. could I would love to have seen a crime in sports, but I Adam Jordan and I saw them do small town murder live. God, mm. it was like f- two or three years ago now. It was very funny. It was very very funny. So I guarantee you're gonna have a fucking blast there. Yeah, I kind of do wish that I knew some more people out here that did. Uh, enjoy listening to you know crime and sports or small town murder but i imagine i'll probably make some friends out there so hell yeah well uh with that out of the way are you ready to get into this week's episode yeah let's hit it all right this week we are going to be delving into the world of christianity more specifically jesus christ of nazareth having both phil and i grown up under the tutelage of a catholic school We are very familiar with the celebration of a man being tortured and then crucified. But just like Dick Cheney, having your heart stop beating isn't enough to stop Jesus Christ because his death was followed by his glorious resurrection. Now, modern science shows that something like this type of supernatural event isn't entirely possible so what we what we will be discussing this week is is there any logical explanation for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are you following what I'm saying here, Phil? Yeah, I think I get you. Um, so basically, we're going to be looking into the most likely fictional story of Jesus Christ <laughs> and uh, trying to add some science behind it. So pretty exciting. <laughs> 
Now, here's the thing. So, I'm going to say, out of all the episodes I've ever done, I have never researched a, researched a topic that is more contentious than this. I have never looked at religious websites more than I did this week. And yes. honestly, I'm hoping that you'll be able to help me here a bit if I am misforgetting the tale that I'm about to tell because... Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like every website tells this, the crucifixion and resurrection slightly differently. And I had noticed some of them are, are like really subtle anti-Semitic. So it's, uh, I don't want, I hope I don't come off that way. I'm just kind of relaying the information like I received it. Um, so yeah, I how how fresh is your knowledge uh, of this? I mean, it's not very, it's not greatly fresh. I mean, I do remember most of it. So uh, there's, you know, it was pretty much pounded into our skulls for what was it like eight years of our lives? Yeah, you know, we had religion class every day for an hour, and we had math class three times a week for an hour. That you know, kind of tells you how important this was. We also well, went to church every well, single week and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh the Catholic Church is one of the only ones that like proudly display the stations of the cross, right? I believe so. There might be a couple of Protestant religions that also do that in their churches. I've that I've been in, but I believe it's it's mostly like Catholic churches yeah. that have them. They really love to uh go step by step of leading up to his crucifixion and his crucifixion. Yeah. It's a really big thing that comes around Easter too. Like yeah. After Lent. Yeah. That's a really big, you like we were doing that shit constantly during Lent. So yeah, don't, don't eat meat for Jesus. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that all became, that all came from uh, <laughs> the, the fishermen and, you know, trying to, you know, boost their product. But yeah, that doesn't have anything to, that's not important. Now, for those who didn't have to stare at the Stations of the Cross constantly, it might not be entirely familiar with the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to kind of go over the whole story. Uh, It all begins, again, this is just from what I was reading on some of the sites, but basically Jesus was of the Jewish faith but kind of using a modern understanding of it, he effectively started his own cult uh, based off Judaism and began to tell people that he was actually the son of God. Now, this in turn caused outrage within the higher-ups of the religions, and according to the legend, those religious leaders basically set out to put a stop to Jesus using the Romans who were in control to have him either killed or at the very, at the very least try to stop him. Does that sound kind of right to you? Yes. Okay. It, I mean, it is. It is. Uh, so here's the problem with that. In real life, the Romans were actually on again, off again at war with the, the leaders of the Jewish religion. Um, you know, they controlled the areas of Judea, Palestine, like that whole region they had taken control of. And they were dealing with a lot of these like rebellious, like Jewish uh, leaders. 
So that's kind of one of the deals is it always seems like the Romans and the, the Jewish hierarchy were in cahoots when really they weren't really in cahoots that much to the, no. to the, to the fact where they were destroyed. It seemed like they kind of, from what I've gathered here, they kind of just would go along with whatever benefited Rome, not necessarily caring about, uh, you know, like the Jewish leaders and all of that. Am I, does this sound about right? Yes. Whoever paid their taxes and didn't put arms up against Rome were basically the ones who were in good standing. Right. So, so yeah. So one one site basically here that I I found claimed these are the charges that the Jewish leaders brought to the Romans to try to get him, I guess, executed. So according to him, there's according to them, there's three different charges. Number one, subverting our nation, meaning that they claim Jesus and his disciples were disturbing the peace of the Roman Empire. The second charge was that Jesus had told his followers to stop paying their taxes that would go to Caesar. And the Mm -hmm. third was that Jesus, in the end, was going to try to attempt to usurp Caesar's reign. Uh, It was at this point that he was brought before Pontius Pilate, who at the time was a Roman governor of Judea. Now, this is really interesting. I remember in the Catholic faith being that Pontius Pilate was like the bad guy, right? But some of the other religions are trying to claim that he didn't actually want to kill Jesus. So, and he didn't find a reason to kill him or enough evidence, but he's like, okay, he let the crowd decide, should we kill him? And then apparently they all started yelling and chanting, crucify him. Have you heard that version of it? Yeah, I've heard both versions of it. So when, when we were kids, they were kind of basically telling us like, oh, it was, you know, Pontius Pilate, you know, decided that he was going to kill him. I also heard that there was a he allowed the like the Jewish people to decide between it was either like a thief or Jesus. And they decided that they wanted uh, Jesus to die. So there was yeah. that, too. Yeah. yeah. See, I that's very interesting to me because it's just. Like when you hear so many differing opinions or I guess whatever different retellings of the story, it's like, how the fuck do you know which one's (laughs) the real one? Yeah, I've also heard I'm going to bring it up probably like later on. I was planning on it, but I might throw it in now. There's also a conspiracy that the cult of Rome, kind of like the religious backing of the Roman Empire, actually invented the whole like story of Jesus and kind of like you know, this cult that he created, that they actually created it like later on, like the story of all of it. And that was to kind of turn the like the common Jewish people away from the wealthier like aristocracy of the the Jewish faith in like Judea, Palestine. I didn't write that down in my possible explanations, but honestly, I love that. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's not a really huge theory. But they do kind of like, obviously, it's a conspiracy theory. Who knows if it's bullshit or not? But it kind of does make sense because the Romans were like in a very, very vicious war against the Jewish aristocracy um, to the point where, I mean, they pretty much wiped out like the whole hierarchy of the, you know, the Jewish faith. Yeah. So it does kind of, you know, lend to it a little bit. 
of how why were the like in this story why why were the uh the jews and the romans kind of like you know like working together uh it's kind of one of those deals where they were not really friends at that time they didn't really work together that well to the point where it led up to war yeah yeah that's uh i i actually really i actually really like that um i didn't really bring this up but to me it seems like the creation of Christianity is like literally the perfect storm to create the world's most successful cult, essentially. Yes. You know, it's just like this happened, Rome fell, and then Christianity kind of stole some of the pagan beliefs of the Romans, blanketed them into their own belief, and then it just kind of took off. Yeah, it's definitely a mixture of a lot of different successful. They definitely took templates from a lot of different successful like religions and kind of created it into this perfect, like, this is the perfect religion to get people on board. There's a central figure you can get behind. There's a central God that you can kind of like worship. And the main teaching of it is telling you to be a good taxpaying citizen. Yeah, is the main thing. Also, basically, Jesus is just a template of the sun god Apollo, and there's so many sun gods in all of the religions. Well, you gotta have a good guy, and you gotta have a bad guy, right? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, even like him having twelve disciples. You know, like the number twelve shows up everywhere in all the religions and. Um, it's just, it's crazy when you start looking at it, like how closely, like even the stories of like the telling of Jesus, like go along with other religions. If you look into it, there's, there's a shit ton. You know what? The last, before I continue here, the last interesting thing I found is a lot of the, let's, you know, when you're kind of looking into this, the only sites you can find are pro-Christian sites, because to be honest, I don't think the atheists care enough to like put together a website to rebuttal them here. You know what I mean? Um, And it's weird. A lot of the scripture that they take as proof against their point, if you sit and read it, you're like, well, you're kind of like proving the opposite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you ask a lot of the hardcore militant Christian people behind those websites, they're going to say it's only atheists out there. It's only, you know, (laughs) the people who hate Christians that are running websites and they they're alone. They're alone beacon out there in the darkness. And it's like, no, no, there's a shit ton. (laughs) I honestly, to be fair, I did find one atheist website trying to rebuttal them. And honestly, um, sometimes when you get that hardcore into like fighting against religion you kind of come off cringy and uh that guy's website that guy that atheist's website did come off very cringy oh yeah and you be you become just as bad as the people you're trying to fight against yeah basically not saying that all christian people are bad but a lot of the militant you know the people who basically chase down you know trying to trying to bash you know, people over the head that they disagree with, you know, with the Bible, those yeah, types of folk. I think we call them evangelicals generally. Yeah. I mean, the hardcore. Yeah. The, what's that one church? Um, the one that went and uh, protested like soldiers funerals. Westboro. Like those people. Westboro. The Westboro people. Yeah, yeah. Those ones. Those are the ones I'm talking about. And their, yeah. their internet equivalents. <laughs> now, uh, Jesus' fate was essentially sealed after this point, 
And the following day, he was set to be crucified. As was custom with the Romans, he was first publicly beaten, which meant being whipped with something that could be closely considered to be close to a cat of nine tails. And according to one story, on the ends of the leather straps were pieces of either iron or bone chips, which were essentially to inflict serious amounts of pain. The Romans uh, also allowed the crowd to get in on the action via mocking and spitting on Jesus. At some point, the Romans would place the infamous crown of thorns atop his head and make him carry the large cross all the way to Golgotha, which was the place where the Romans crucified people. So it was kind of this, this whole thing, there's a lot more to it. There's, you know, Mary Magdalene wiping his face and all that. It's kind of not quite as quick of a journey, but we don't have time to go through all of that. Um, you kind of, did Did I miss anything important in that journey? Uh, there was also a man who helped him carry the cross. Yeah. Um, there you, There was uh, Judas betraying him for, what, 30 pieces of silver, the Last well, that, Supper. There yeah, was, that, oh, was, okay, yeah. that was before, like the betrayal was before he went to trial with Pontius Pilate. Oh, I'm just going through, yeah, the whole thing. The, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was the whole... Like the like the whole twelve, you know, apostles, not twelve apostles, stations of the cross. The whole twelve stations of the cross. That's kind of like there's a there's a bunch of them that kind of like before and in between that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, whenever you say the when you said the word Golgotha, it made me think of the uh, the Kevin Smith movie called Dogma. Basically, in that movie, when they were at the bar, um, the bad guys in that movie actually sent a demon after uh the angels and the prophets and it was the golgotha shit demon because of all of the <laughs> basically all of the all of the people that the romans had crucified up on golgotha had evacuated their bowels and it created this shit demon basically ah okay all the feces that's yeah. clever i know ne- i haven't watched that movie in so fucking long it's a great movie i actually should i have it on dvd and blu-ray i should watch Hell it again. yeah it's a really good one now When they all arrived at the execution site, Jesus was to be crucified alongside two others, which are speculated to have been just uh, two petty thieves. As custom prior to the crucifixion, the Romans would offer a mixture of vinegar, gall, and myrrh to alleviate some of the pain of crucifixion. But Jesus, you know, he was just too tough and he decided I ain't taking that shit. Then the hands and feet of the three men were all nailed to their respective crosses. Jesus' cross, though, apparently had an inscription above his head that said, The King of Jews. Now, I in Catholic school, I don't remember him talking about the other two people who were crucified here, but a lot of the sites say there's two other people alongside him. All of the pictures and iconography that I remember from the other two people being crucified in Catholic school. I don't know about other religions, but at, at that Catholic school, they always were shown being roped to the crosses and not nailed to the okay. crosses. So Jesus was nailed to the cross, you know, uh, one in each hand and then one going through both ankles or feet. Okay. And then there the two thieves were just tied up there with ropes. Now here's the interesting thing that you say that, Right. Mm-hmm. I was going to talk about it later in the episode, but a lot of the site, some of the sites that I did find, 
the modern um, historians claim that at the time of Jesus's crucifixion, they had kind of stopped the nails and they mostly just tied people up and, and like on the crosses and left them to die. So some of them speculate that maybe Jesus wasn't even nailed to the cross at all. And maybe he was um, just tied there. Or maybe it's all bullshit. But yeah, uh, they also would have had a problem with like, they can't go through the hands. There's another part too where like stigmata, the the old telling is like the nails would go through the hands. In reality, you can't put the nails through the hands because eventually your body weight will just rip right through um, the hands and the feet. You actually have to put it through um, like the ankle bones or like the wrist bones. Um, yeah, you know where there's actually some support. Have you? So I, the whole thing about stigmata. Have you also heard in other religions? Um, they, the cross is like a singular beam up and down instead of a cross. I've never seen that. Are you uh, talking about other Christian religions? Um, I think like, I think it's the, the Muslim retelling of it. And I can't remember the other one. It's very interesting. Like they claim it was a singular beam he was crucified on and not a cross. Oh, okay. No, I had never seen that. They but, might be just trying to combat the, um, you know, kind of like the image of uh, like the cross, like yeah. the Christians use. I, so I, they're not going to. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's so interesting to see. Obviously, this was, you know, 2000 years ago. So it's like really hard to tell what actually happened. But it's kind of interesting. You kind of have all these different retellings of this story. Yeah, it, I mean, every religion kind of has their own little, there was a lot of religions that probably split off of Catholicism just so that they could tell their own little differing, you know, story. story. And it's not just like the Protestant split. There was also like split offs from this religion back like thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, um, kind of like the Orthodox, you know, obviously there was, um, hundred years ago with the Mormons and, you know, all of them too. So there's a ton of different uh, tellings out there, probably as many oh. tellings as there are different sects. Um, I can almost guarantee you, obviously Jesus's branch of Judaism was a fringe uh, break off of it, right? I guarantee there was other ones. His was just obviously the most famous. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're saying that he wasn't the, um, in the whole, there was a basically a like a prophecy or foretelling of a Jesus-like figure. They're saying that he wasn't even like the only one like vying for that. No, uh, in title in history, like around that time. It it's so. it's it's a story's old time. Mainstream, our religions are always going to have different fringe cults breaking off of them. Yeah. All right. Now, another interesting piece of information that I don't ever remember hearing in religious studies class, and I can probably see why they wouldn't tell us, was that it wasn't unusual for the Roman soldiers to break the legs of those who have been crucified to to assist them in dying faster. Now, apparently they did this to the two thieves, but not to Jesus. Now, at first you would assume this was a way of for them to punish him more but apparently it was because Jesus had been long dead when they were going to go break his legs. 
but the thieves were still alive. Now, this is the assumption because someone had already taken a spear and punctured his side, causing causing him to die faster. Had, had you heard this? Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of also one of the famous things is when he gets speared in the side. Um, pictures of, like, you know, statues and pictures of him on the cross yeah. have him with a big spear wound. There's also, um, there's a lot of myths about, like, it wasn't blood that came out of his side, it was water and different uh different like tellings of it too um i had always heard that he took a long time to die though no see that's that we're gonna get into all that the amount of time it took him to die as we'll talk about was very rapid way faster to other crucifixions absolutely okay we'll talk about that later in the episode but that is a very very important piece of information but basically what I was reading here is it was custom for them to be crucified and then the soldiers would come break their legs to help them die faster and they were gonna do it to Jesus but he was already dead oh okay so it was like there's no point breaking his legs because he's apparently already dead also if anyone's ever watching the great show the librarian uh basically kind of uh like a mid-2000s show they go after the spear of destiny which is uh kind of like a relic of Christianity and it's the the spear that killed Jesus basically get got turned into a weapon of God pretty much. Yeah, um we'll have to cover that sometime. The the famous one I heard is that uh, what was it? So Hitler was after the spear of destiny because whoever has it can conquer the world and yes. he only had a third of it and that's why he can only conquer a third of the world. Yeah, he had just a just a piece of it. Yeah. And it's it's been I forgot who was the last person who supposedly had it. Alexander the Great, right? Yeah. No, Alexander the Great was, that was hundreds of years before Jesus. Um, God, who was it? Khan? No. Napoleon maybe had a piece of it at one time, they say. But yeah, it was, supposedly it was in one piece, but then broken apart at one point. Yeah, well, that's definitely a sub D worthy episode. We'll have to look into one day. Definitely. But uh, after his death, Jesus's body was taken down by two men named Nicodemus and Joseph of Armitha. Uh, And then he was taken to the tomb three days later is when the real magic happened. There's so many accounts of what actually happened to his body. Some say he was wrapped up in an, an anointed cloth. Some say that random women poured perfume on his body. Then he was wrapped in a cloth. But in any matter, basically he was dead and then he was placed in this tomb of some sort. As far as those who visited the tomb three days later, again, plethora of different accounts. But most say it was either a random woman or some say it was actually Mary Magdalene that came to the tomb only to discover that the large boulder that was supposed to be blocking it was moved aside and Jesus' body was gone. Now, some accounts claim that the woman who saw the tomb, an angel appeared and said, hey, Jesus isn't here, but gathers apostles and he wants to meet them all on the mountain of Galilee. Uh, This is where Jesus would inform his apostles that he was going to ascend to heaven and to spread the word to his followers that anybody who died from this point on who is devout to him would join him in heaven. Pretty standard uh telling of the story did i miss anything you remember um 
No, not really. Uh, so yeah, that mountain, uh, the mountain of Galilee, that's a pretty famous place in uh, like Christian religion too. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of odd. Well, you know how we were talking about the essential oils um, back what twenty or thirty episodes ago. It's kind of weird that they talk about a lot about perfumes and yep. like how much magic was kind of associated with like the perfumes and essential oils back then they do talk about like perfumes and oils and myrrh and all of this stuff a lot in these stories well just like we talked about um during the essential oils episodes like the romans had a lot of that and uh they would bathe in it and as stinky as you'd assume it was they pretty certain that roman society was not that full of stinky people for that reason. Well, the rich folk, right? But, the rich, yeah. the rich folk. But like, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, they definitely used it because what did we find out? They stole it from the Greeks, and the Greeks stole it from the Egyptians. The basically, Egyptians. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how cultures basically just continue to steal things from each other. Yeah, most of humankind really stunk pretty bad up until about maybe 1920, 1915. Yeah, and so, then in the Middle Ages, they just decided to super stink again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole civilization crumbling and coming back. Really, like, the the availability, the availability of soap and uh, the ability to wash yourself really kind of makes civilization, like, you know like makes or breaks a civilization is the ability of the common folk to clean themselves. Yeah. So like Roman empire, there was, you know, the aqueducts and there were public baths and places where you could go take hot water baths. And, you know, there's uh the town that I went to in England or Wales, I guess you call it, but on the border there called bath. It's one of the famous places in England where the Romans had built themselves like a public bath and, yeah, I remember. I remember you telling me that uh, about that. That's uh, fucking. That's yep. fascinating, dude. Um, it's yeah. I I don't know. Obviously, being hygienic is very important yep. to keep diseases away, keep plagues down, things like that. So keeping you, you healthy, to be honest. You can tell that civilization right now is starting to break down again because there's a lot of stinky people like, <laughs> coming around. You can you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> a lot of uncivilized folk. You, you know, you smell them all over the place. Hey, don't make fun of uh, the Alabama fans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love them. Them Steeler fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better rock people. All right. Now, with that kind of quick retelling out of the way, it's kind of time to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Taking a more scientific look at this biblical tale. What could have really happened with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Now, I'm going to play this out. This is strictly my opinion. I believe it's entirely possible there was, in fact, a man named Jesus who had existed. He had created his own religious sect that upset upset, uh, the older religious figures, and the Romans, you know, ultimately decided to crucify him. But the whole zombie Jesus aspect doesn't seem logical to me. And essentially, there has to be a lot more realistic reasons or possibilities for him to have either pulled off the resurrection or, like you said, just made up the entire story altogether. Okay. What do you yeah. 
What I'm not saying the whole him walking on water and all that turning fish into bread or whatever. I'm yeah. not saying that. I'm saying there could have been a man named Jesus who was a fringe sect of the Jewish religion and all of this stuff happened to him because he pissed off the peop- the main people. Well, I mean, so we've been basically, if he was a real person, yeah. we've been playing a 2,000-year-old game of telephone kind of with the stories of them and kind of every time the Bible got rewritten, you know, things became a little bit more fantastical maybe. Every time the story was told orally, maybe things got a little more fantastical. Um, the people who were in charge kind of made, you know, and it's like, it it sounds like it's kind of, you know, being cynical, but that is their whole, like in a, in the terms of like a marketing scheme and making money, like this story is the bedrock cornerstone of their entire everything, like everything that they do, all of the money that they bring in, all of the control that they wield, the power comes from this story. So it's kind of, you know, they, you know, liven it up. Just look at like Scientology, the the dude, L. Ron Hubbard, in charge of um, Scientology, who just died like what, during the 80s, they're already kind of assigning him like these quasi magical powers. Imagine if Scientology exists for another 2000 years, imagine what kind of powers you'll hear about him having, you know? Well, it may be to them in 2000 years, Tom Cruise will actually be their version of Jesus or maybe David Miscavige. Yeah. The godson. Well, yeah, that's, he's probably more of a Peter like figure, David Miscavige, <laughs> like, uh, um, the apostle. Kind of the, like the, the leader of it. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Or but I'm, Paul, sorry, Paul. I'm pretty sure that they believe that there will be like a um, reincarnation of uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, and it's one of those things too where in a hundred years, kind of when like the story goes out, no one's really heard about it anymore. They might be able to do a, pull a thing where they say, oh, yeah. You know, he was he was resurrected. You never heard he was resurrected. Yeah. So you might not have heard about it, but oh, here's the good news, also known as the gospel of <laughs> Scientology. He was resurrected. So right. they could pull that in a hundred years, which is possibly what the the Romans did with Christianity back nineteen hundred years ago or so. Exactly. Well, I'm gonna tell you what, you are going to need to explain your full theory on that. Once we get through these, all right? Okay. All right, so we're going to start off um, with hallucinations. So in the 19th century, a gentleman by the name of David Friedrich Strauss put forth a theory that while, yes, Jesus did in fact die from the crucifixion, he believes the resurrection could have been nothing more than a hallucination by either one person or multiple people, basically Jesus' most devout followers, which could have included anyone ranging from Peter, John, or even Mary, the woman who allegedly found him in the tomb. Now, or went to his tomb and he wasn't there. Yeah. His his theory kind of evolved over time when different people took uh, a, a closer look at it, but most of the pieces remain the same. Uh, they lean heavily into the fact that Jesus... And his followers were kind of into the end times apocalyptic type of fringe 
religion, right? So Mm -hmm. when their main leader, Jesus, was put to death, it caused such a great amount of grief and strife amongst those who had essentially devoted their lives to his teachings. This in turn caused them to have a vision of Jesus talking to them or when Mary went to the tomb, she had the vision of the angel talking to her, kind of like someone goes into shock or something like that. They see this happening and either way they had the vision. They ended up telling the different disciples that Jesus had returned, which in turn morphed into this, like you said, extremely long game of telephone that was retold and embellished over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. And you got to think too, I mean, imagine, imagine the first people who were trying to spread Christianity. So you're out there and you've got this product and sometimes you need to juice it up a little bit, spice it up a little bit. So you just kind of add little things here and there. So then it creates more people who are out there trying to spread the religion and then they juice it up a little bit too. So it's kind of these, that's probably why there's a lot of different like tellings of the story too. But I mean, a lot of this wasn't written down right away. So it took, it took a long time for those, like a lot of those, like the gospels and everything to be written. Yeah. It was like a lot of it was oral. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I was reading in this, some of those books were written like 50 to 70 years after his death or possibly like hundreds. Yeah. So they were written in the second century. So yeah, there is, there's a lot of people like currently who think that Jesus with his own hand wrote the Bible. Well, maybe that'll lead into, well, I guess that would kind of um, lean into the fact that maybe he didn't actually die. That's kind of uh, one of the the main theories we're going to be getting into here is like the fact that he might have not actually died. You know what I'm saying? Not actually have been even crucified or at least fake the crucifixion. Yeah, there's a lot of like you he, you do hear a lot of people thinking that either, you know, like Jesus directly wrote the Bible or it was written during the time of his life or shortly thereafter. It was right. actually written by mostly people like the Gospels that we have currently, not the ones that were like kind of hidden away. The ones that we have currently weren't written by people who had actually ever even met him. Right. So, right. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. All right. So. We'll start off here with the uh, another possibility, the swoon hypothesis. Have you heard of this at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, the swoon hypothesis is possibly the most one of the more logical theories put forth um, about the resurrection of Jesus, and it comes in several different flavors. Additionally, the swoon hypothesis is most certainly the one thing that the most devout of Christians get very, very upset about. They do not like talking about this. All the sites, you type this in, you go to the <laughs> sites, they are not happy about it. So, let's talk about it. It essentially lays forth the theory that Jesus never actually died from his crucifixion, or in some accounts, the crucifixion didn't even happen at all. Now, this theory is originally put forth because, mostly because kind of I alluded to, it the times between Jesus' crucifixion and his death do not really make sense. The Gospel of Mark claims that Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. in the morning, and by 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he was declared dead. 
The average time of death for someone who is crucified was usually between somewhere between two to four days. And some reports claiming that certain people who have been crucified have had lived up to nine days afterwards, which is holy shit. That's excruciating. But this is where people kind of have a problem because he was dead within six hours of his crucifixion, which is very unlikely that someone would have died that quickly. Yes. Yeah. So I'm guessing that the people who died two to four days weren't given or allowed any water. And I'm willing to bet that the people who died nine days after might have been given water, but just died from stress on their body. Yeah. So it would make sense the two to four days. What do they usually say? Three days without water. Any human would die. Kind of makes sense. Uh, I guess you kind of slowly bleed out as well, unless you're just roped up there. Yeah. So it would be, you would be, you know, you would have open wounds, uh, Birds would start pecking at you, exposure. Uh, If you did have water, maybe you might make it up to like nine days. But I mean, that's probably just like an average. So I'm guessing, yeah, I could see nine days because it's not like someone you're I mean, you have you have nails in your your feet and in your wrists or you're tied up there. You're not exactly those aren't like major wounds that are happening to your organs. Your organs are still keeping you alive. There's nothing keeping you from that unless no one's giving you water than two to four days. Um, oh, yeah. dude, it just the whole thing just sounds like one of the worst ways to ever die, honestly. Oh, yeah. You're literally just there in, you know, um, people and two. It's not like a lot of these crucifixions weren't big events where a bunch of people came out and saw you. Sometimes you were just like on a road, you know, or at the entrance of a town maybe, or up on this hill. And you were just there alone, just shitting yourself, dying of, you know, exposure. (sighs) Just, man, fucking Romans, man, they're brutal. Uh, Actually, I I, I don't know if they stole that idea from somebody, but... (laughs) Brutal. It's the Romans. They probably stole it from somebody. <laughs> yeah. you, they stole everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things like um, in order to in order and it sounds kind of bad in order to control an area that large and that many nations of people, you really have to be very concise with your like roads. You have to get your people around quickly. You have to get collect taxes very well and you have to put a fucking stop like two fucking rebellions. You cannot allow that shit at all. So yeah, being very, very concise in your, your you know, judicial punishments, very important. So yeah. Whew. All right. Now we're going to start off with kind of the first sect of the swoon theory, which revolves around drugs. So in 1780, Carl Kreidrich Bart, I think that's how you say his name. Close uh, enough. He doesn't put, mind put forth the theory that Jesus had deliberately feigned his own death via drugs. One of his most devoted followers, Luke, was a physician who could have given given him some sort of drug to make it appear as if he had died. He was then later resuscitated and would then appear completely unharmed in front of his followers to deliver a final message. This would kind of be a good way of... I don't know, really putting on a magic trick for him, right? 
Now, this is an interesting theory because it doesn't really state what reason he took the drug specifically. One mm. could be that they had an agreement with the Romans that he would make it appear as if he had died in front of the crowd that was cheering him on to die, or if he did it to trick the Romans into believing that he was dead so then they could take his body right away and then just save his life. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, I kind of also am wondering too, I mean, you said the word resuscitated before. He was later resuscitated. But was this in a way to make it seem like he was resurrected? I mean, almost like the greatest, like all of the, all the quote unquote miracles or possibly magic tricks um, kind of, like told in the Bible that Jesus did, um, you know, turning one fish into one loaf of bread, turning one fish and one loaf of bread into enough to feed a whole crowd of people, water into wine, walking on water, curing Lazarus's blindness. All of that is kind of ancillary when you look at his main, main feat, which was the resurrection. So the resurrection, the most important part of the whole deal. Yeah, it's, the interesting thing, I'm not going to talk about it quite yet, but the uh, the Joseph of Armitha is a very important character in this story, and maybe we can connect him back to that theory. But I'm going to keep because I kind of there's quite quite a few little theories put forth here for us to get through. So now we'll kind of go into what is the original swoon theory. Now. This theory basically states that Jesus had actually either passed out or fainted, which caused him to go into a coma-like state while he was crucified. The Roman soldiers simply believed that he was dead and allowed them to take the, his body away. Now, this theory is really interesting because from here, it kind of splinters into a bunch of different possibilities. The reason for this mostly has to do with the gentleman who took his body Joseph of Armithia, who was said to have been an extremely wealthy man with a lot of power and push, who is also a secret follower of Jesus. So basically, if Jesus had fallen into some sort of a coma-like state to make it appear as if he was dead, Joseph either bribed Pontius Pilate or the Roman guards around to, to allow him to take his body, Joseph was able to get him away and then heal Jesus back to health. Thus is why Jesus wasn't in his tomb. Ah, the this might be actually the Tom Cruise figure of this story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you kind of get, though, like, I feel like a place like Rome, if you were to throw money at them, they might be willing to let you do things like this. Oh, that's been true throughout history and yeah. definitely true today. Money talks. Fucking yeah, I could I mean it's it's a it's a nice theory. Obviously it's all, you know, conjecture. It's a, it's all a conspiracy theory. But I mean it is a good story to kind of if you're looking for a reason for all of this happening, the quick death, um, the resurrection, all of that. I could definitely see something like that possibly happening. Um, there's also, I don't know if you're going to mention it, there's also kind of these weird little fringe stories where either Mary Magdalene was pregnant with Jesus's child there's all and escaped and went somewhere else there's also theories that possibly Jesus um, was actually you know survived 
the crucifixion or is never crucified, and he went with them. One of the places I know that they're believed may have went was Gaul, modern-day France. So Okay. I thought the Gauls were Germans. No, so actually uh, Gaul is like modern-day like France, uh, that area. Germania is kind of like where modern-day Germany is, kind of like up northeast, kind of more in Central Europe. Um, I'm pretty sure the Germans don't really call themselves like German. They call their country Deutschland. It was the Romans who named that whole region Germania, kind of this wild frontier up there. Interesting. Okay, I did. Yep. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really know that. Now, here's another interesting factor that might have been another reason why Joseph was able to kind of bribe the Romans that people put forth is because uh, Jesus was Jewish, right? And mm-hmm. in their religion, they believe in burying the body as soon as the person is declared dead. So maybe if he had enough money, he was like, hey, it's our religion to bury the this guy right away. Um, but the only problem is I don't really think the Romans were all about respecting other people's religious beliefs. Actually, they were, uh, uh, when it comes to conquered peoples, they were pretty, uh, in comparison to other civilizations, from what I heard, they were pretty decent in really? uh, respecting other religions. Yeah, so, so, it's one of those things where it goes back to just pay your taxes and don't rob the traders, don't rob the caravans, and you're fine. So, one of those situations. So you're saying that could be a possibility? Yeah, um, respecting, because you got to remember, too, these were conquered peoples, but the the Romans were never going to see them as full citizens, but they were participating members in the empire. So you're trying to build rapport with these people. You're trying to turn this into a productive area where you, you know, have a lot of industry, make a lot of goods, people pay their taxes, and it kind of turns into like a good colony. So you really don't want to trample. I mean, you have to live with these people. You're subjugating them, definitely, but you have to live with them too. So you don't want to stamp on their religions. I mean, for a lot of these people, their religion was the most important aspect of their life, especially back then. You don't want to stamp on that core foundational thing for them. So maybe if the, the other Jewish people believed he was dead, maybe out of respect, they were like, okay, we'll let you bury him as soon as possible. I mean, to like not cause to like not cause an uproar or something. Yeah. Oh, like in general. Yeah. Like in general. I mean, you wouldn't want to be seen as the people who are not only like subjugating and possibly abusing the the people of this land, but you don't also want to be the ones who are trampling on their religious rights, their religious leaders. So you do want these people to work with you. Right. And also for you, obviously. But they there has to be some, you know, some consolation to their their wants and needs. Now, um, here's an interesting kind of counter argument to this theory that was put forth. If he was physically nailed to the cross and crucified, but didn't die and was able to be taken away to kind of heal him a little bit or as much healing as they could do at the time. The one thing is a lot of medical people in modern times say even if he was able to survive the crucifixion, because technically if you got him off of there and took the nails on whatever, 
he could definitely be healed back to health, but they say with those holes in your feet and hands, it would be minimally a month before you'd be able to even walk. So it would be extremely unlikely that he was crucified and then was able to meet with his followers, whatever, how many days later and like appear perfectly normal. Unless they had tied him up there. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what modern people say, that their crucifixions at this time weren't physically nailing people to it. They were, like, tying them there. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of listening to this story, like what you just said, imagine, so 9 a.m., let's say that, you know, the the gospel was correct. In 9 a.m., they put him up there. They tie him up to the cross. They put it into the ground. And then all of a sudden... It was 3 a.m., six hours later, and he appears to be dead. And they're like, holy shit, normally it takes like, we didn't even break his legs yet. Normally it takes at least two to four days without water or possibly nine days, whatever, of exposure before these people die. Maybe that's why they stabbed him, just to make sure he's not just passed out from pain. Yeah, and if he was in some sort of coma-like state, obviously you're not going to move or anything. Yeah. Or if he was under the influence of some sort of drug, it would appear as if he's dead. Yep. But again, I don't know. Um, The last kind of thing here is moving away from the crucifixion and kind of moving into why was the tomb empty? So they have a couple interesting theories here. Um, Most of them are that... If he did die, okay, he did die, he was crucified, that what if the woman who discovered him had simply just went to the wrong tomb and just assumed, hey, Jesus isn't here, but she was actually at the wrong tomb? Okay, I mean, yeah, it's, that one's a, that one's a possible thing. It, it's not as fantastical and it's not as, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more common, but I mean, that's also, you could throw that in there. Um, the other one was that Jesus was crucified. He died. Joseph of Armitha, again, being a very rich person was able to bribe the guards that were guarding the tomb that Jesus is buried in. They moved the boulder aside and then uh, he was he took you know claim of his body and just took kind of body. took yeah. his body and buried it elsewhere did whatever with it what this is leaning into would be if Joseph took his body and moved it elsewhere so nobody would mess with his body or whatever he wanted to do with it and then his followers kind of either made up the story of Jesus's return after they didn't find his body or they hallucinated um, him or something after they didn't find his body. That's, I mean, that could be true too. Um, I'm not sure exactly, like for the story of Jesus at the time, he was not as a a powerful a figure as obviously he is nowadays, you know, or even a hundred years after his supposed death. But I could see how, you know, having his body, um, having control of it might you know, give you, maybe you think that it gives you, like if it's buried on your property, um, maybe might give you a little bit more pull. But then if he hears the story about the resurrection, 
maybe it's like, oh shit, I just caused something even more important than anything had ever happened before. That the, could be. There's another kind of little branch of this that like his apostles just straight up stole his body after he was buried in there and then created the resurrection story. Oh, yeah, that's good too. I was also kind of thinking just now, possibly what if like the Romans stole his body because they didn't want a site for like martyrdom. They didn't want to have a site where his followers could come and, you know, worship the the death of their leader or possibly turn him into a, a higher figure. If they stole the body, then, you know, his followers would just think, oh, he was already robbed. Like the grave was already robbed. We don't know where his body is. Something well, like that, too. Here's the interesting thing is I read one site. Um, I don't know if this is like they know Roman history or whatever, but they said like most of the time, anybody who is crucified after they were dead or whatever, the Romans would basically just throw them in a giant pit and wild animals would like eat their bodies or whatever. Was that based on history or was that based that was, on anti-Roman sentiment? Though? I don't know. I don't know. That's just what this guy said. Like, say the thieves, they aren't going to be getting an elaborate rock tomb like Jesus is. Okay. I, like, I, I mean, yeah. That's, I, but again, you said they would do things to try to appease their the yeah, people. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not a Roman historian. You know a lot more than I do. Uh, so I don't really know. You do have to remember, too, that, I mean, the hatred towards Rome by the people that they subjugated was, I mean, it did kind of cloud up because uh, they like the people that were subjugated by the Romans really did hate them. And I mean, a lot of the things that like a lot of the stories aren't really as it's kind of like a corporation. Everyone thinks that there's all these corporations out there that are doing these evil things and doing, you know, doing everything. They have to remember it's built up of a lot of different individual people. And it's not like every single Roman was some evil, you know, tyrant dog that was just bloodthirsty and angry and wanting to, you know, uh, wanting to terrorize the people. It was made up of it's an empire is made up of people really. Yeah. It's like corporations, countries. It's it's all people doing these things. So Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, I want you to lay out the theory that you kind of had earlier in the episode. Well, one of the theories that I kind of have seen a little bit about was the cult of Rome and kind of having these big problems with the Jewish aristocracy, the leaders of what they called, you know, Judea. Uh so basically it was kind of this theory where this Christianity cult that they created in order to kind of get the people, get the common Jewish people on their sides away from the Jewish aristocracy, creating this figure, Jesus, who was actually killed because the, the Jewish, you know, the Jewish leaders wanted him dead. There's a theory that the Romans actually created the whole story and used an old prophecy that was already, you know, like a very old prophecy. Instead of saying like, oh, it, the prophecy is going to happen just like everyone else. They say, guess what? It already happened a hundred years ago. So right. basically they use this prophecy. They take all of these different other religions, including their own, 
create a god king, a god, uh, or a sun god, sorry, like a sun god, like Apollo, and use that figure as the kind of the central uh, monotheistic, you know, because also Judaism's very um, successful too. They're kind of looking at other monotheistic religions. At the time, Rome had many, many gods, many sub-gods, demigods, all of that. So it's one of those things where they created this religion. Later Romans would also not only, you know, not only attack the Jews, but also attack the Christians. But then when they realized how, like, really Christianity just caught fire and spread, spread, spread really, really well, just because of, like, the great story. It's, it's been called the greatest story ever told. So really, once they saw that, they realized, well, we can either get bulldozed by this or we can jump on board. So that's kind of the idea is after killing off Christians for so long, they just decided, you know what, we're going to jump on this train and kind of take it for all it's worth. You know, what's interesting about that theory. There's two things that come to mind that I could kind of see that making sense. Number one is how much of the pagan religion is basically intertwined and retold within Christianity. And number two, that would be a prime example of how someone like Jesus would have foretold his own prophecies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, how he fulfilled. And it's like you you see a lot of these like Christian uh, documentaries, these a lot of websites, blogs, everything like that. And they're like, oh, how how do you explain how the the prophecies were fulfilled so perfectly? And then you can come back with, because there were prophecies. And then you claimed that a long time ago, somebody fulfilled the prophecy perfectly, even though maybe that person didn't even exist. The prophecy was fulfilled like post, you know? I mean, it's kind of like, did J.K. Rowling know the ending to Harry Potter before anybody else? I would assume she did. So technically, well, she could have made prophecies about what's going to happen to him, or I don't know. Maybe that's a bad example, but I'm just saying, if there was a writer for this story, they yeah. could put prophecies in before they write them later in the book because they know that's already going to happen. Yes. Exa- I mean, it's... So the book is already, in this case, the books, the prophecy or the books or whatever is already written. So say somebody wrote something 500 years ago, and this is a pretty popular, a pretty popular prophecy. You know, a lot of people know it. And then you're like, oh, I wonder if this is ever going to happen. I wonder if this is ever going to happen. And then along comes somebody who one day says, guess what? It already did happen. The prophecy already came true 100 years ago. So sorry, you missed it, but you can still get on board with this great story that we're telling and follow this one true God who was born, you know, raised up, became king, died, resurrected, all of that stuff, did all of these great, you know, magical things. So you can kind of get on board with that. And it's like, oh, see, there was a prophecy and then it was fulfilled 100%. It must be true even though never really happened. You're just saying that the prophecy was fulfilled. I mean, you've effectively laid out us covering Nostradamus, right? Um, he had the predictions. You can morph them into whatever. And if through the like right lens, you can see, oh, he did foretell this. Yeah, well, it's a lot too. Um, there's a lot of people who look at, they call it the Bible code. 
And basically they look at different, like if you kind of take all of the letters and combine them, and then you can find kind of like almost like a crossword puzzle and find all of these words that match up. Like there's a big one for 9-11 and twins and twin towers, all of this stuff. Well, okay. And it's like, there's and it's like, oh, well, hold on. Wait. It's like, oh, look at, look at all of these things. They all go along together. And it's like, yeah, but if you saw that in 1980, you wouldn't know what the fuck it was, you know? Right. Here's the thing. That's basically like buying. I'm trying to think of the thickest book I know, right? Uh, yeah. Let's just say the book It, right? That's like 1,200 pages, right? That's a thick book. How much yeah. you bet you could find some sort of code and then do stuff like that? Yes. Actually, the documentary I saw took, uh, what was that? Moby Dick. Took the book Moby Dick and did the exact same thing. How big is Moby Dick? I don't even know. Uh, I don't know. It's... Uh, from what I've seen, it's always been one of those like paperback books in all of the libraries. It's never been like a huge book. So, mm. well, uh, what is the Bible? Two thousand pages, I believe. Yeah. Well, it's um, it always depends. Sometimes you see like gigantic leather bound Bibles. Sometimes you just see like handheld ones. So I don't know if that just means the type is a lot smaller, but. Well, okay, Phil, uh, closing out here, I want to ask you, do any, what theories do you like the most? Are you kind of, you like the theory you laid out? Well, the interesting one that I'm just hearing today is the Joseph of Armathia. I've never heard of that guy or that theory. So that's a, I kind of like that. Uh, never really heard it about how he basically had Jesus drugged to make him appear dead and then resuscitated him or helped him get resuscitated later on by bribing the guards. I mean, one wealthy person can really help you out of a sticky situation, can't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's it's always nice to have friends in high places. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he might have been like the modern or the ancient times version of Jeff Bezos, for all we know. I don't know. <laughs> I heard, uh, I heard uh, William Shatner was on the uh, Bezos Dick spaceship. Oh, yeah. Went into space. Yep. The uh, the Iron Phallus. Yeah, I think that's the actual name <laughs> of the spaceship. All right. Well, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Phil, if anybody has their opinion on this tale or has heard another possible explanation, where can they contact us? Well, they can direct all of their hate mail right to our right to their email, uh, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love hearing from everybody. Uh, they can also get a hold of us on our Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, also, great hearing from people on there. Uh, really appreciate all of the likes, all of the replies, everything that we get. Thanks for that. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine is sdpodphil. Uh, you know, I have I don't really check it a lot. So if you have messaged me on there and I haven't seen it, I haven't been on there in a few months. Uh, Cody, you got one? Yeah, follow my personal Instagram at Cody Sabub. Uh, hit me up, talk to me again. I'm not on as much as I used to be, but if you message me, I will try to respond within a uh, day or two. The last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave the show a five star review. Doesn't really matter what you say. Um, Type in your favorite uh, Jesus conspiracy. If you're a Spotify user, it's even more simple. You just got to hit that follow button, and it is like a review. Thank you to everybody who's taking the time to do that for us. We greatly appreciate it. 
Otherwise, I hope you guys don't hate us too much. We try to respect religions, but we also want to look at the scientific explanation for things. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.